You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Weatherland. Once again, everybody, thanks for hopping on board on the latest edition of Gun on One. It is powered by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. Eagles coming off in a very impressive win. Again, a, a decent, not great, but a decent Denver Broncos team. But what's more important is they ran the ball down Denver's throat. They ran the ball effectively against the number six rushing defense in the National Football League. So for this particular podcast, I'm bringing in somebody who knows a thing or two about running the football, and I wonder if he's kind of envious of what he saw from the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. My man, Brian Westbrook. B. West, how you doing, bro? I'm doing very, very well, D. Gunner. And anytime a team runs the ball the way that the Eagles ran it this past week, I'm envious, I'm jealous. (laughs) I'm wishing we could go back in time and hit Andy (laughs) Reid over top of the head. Um, and let him know to run the football. But listen, they've done a great job. They've adjusted. It's exciting times in Philadelphia. You know, uh, uh, so many people have been screaming for weeks for this team to run the football. And for whatever reason, Nick Sirianni uh, has gone the other way and basically played into the opposition's hand trying to throw the football more than running it. So when you look at what they did against Denver, in Denver, how impressed were you? Well, I've been impressed, really impressed with Nick Sirianni over the last few weeks. And really, it wasn't just about Denver. It was about his change of philosophy. I mean, he came into this year as a young offensive coordinator, as a young head coach, and he had an idea of what he wanted to accomplish. I want to throw the book football. I want to use our quarterback in different ways and things like that. And quite honestly, that just didn't work. It didn't work with this team. And, mm-hmm. and for him to be able to shift and to pivot and say, okay, what I wanted to do was not going to work. I need to go in a different direction. I need to do it and go in a different way about things. I mean, you have to give him some credit there. And I know a lot of people have been down on Nick Sirianni throughout the season, but you got to give him some credit for being able to pivot and say, okay, what I wanted to do, what I personally have been thinking of as an assistant coach up until this point where now I'm the play caller and head coach, that's not going to work with this football team. We're going to do something different different and we're going to go with what is working 
and that's the run game, using your play action, things like that. I give Nick Sirianni a bunch of credit for that. Why do you think it took him so long to, to make this commitment? Because that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a coach that threw the football. He wanted to be one of those young offensive coordinators that say, listen, we threw the ball. We, we averaged 350 yards a game. We're throwing, you know, we're scoring 30 points a game. That's what's in vogue in the league. That's what happened with Kyle Shanahan. That's what happened to LaFleur out there in Green Bay. That's what happened to happen to a lot of these young offensive coordinators. And they're being judged by how many points mm-hmm. you can put up, how many air yards you can amass. The thing about it is, the way that I feel about it, and I'm sure the fans feel the same way, maybe Jeffrey Lurie doesn't, is it's about wins and losses. How many games can you win? I don't care about the yards. I don't care if you only average 100 yards rushing and 100 yards passing, but you got a great defense. I want to win football games. And I think Nick Sirianni finally understood it's about winning football games and keeping everybody healthy as you can. And that's what he's done over the last few weeks here. I'm going to throw some numbers at you that only a running back can appreciate. Over the last three games, the Eagles have averaged running the football. Averaged, I emphasize, 42 times a game, 209 yards, six rushing touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Do you ever remember being in a game where you ran the football 42 times? No. And listen, I've been a part of teams (laughs) where we put up an awful lot of points and the other team wasn't scoring very much. And we never ran the ball that much. I'm going to give you a stat. In the first five games okay. of the season, they were averaging 36 passes a game. In the last five games of the season, they're only averaging averaging 23 passes a game. That means they're wow. using their time wisely when they're on the field to make sure that their team is in third and short. They're in, they're in manageable down so that now you have an athletic quarterback that can get to the edge. Now he can make plays mm-hmm. with his leg. Now you can do different things. Mm-hmm. So they said, okay, we don't need to we don't need to throw the ball as much because again, mm-hmm. we got a developing quarterback. We got a guy that's going to say, you know, he has he hasn't even played 16 games as a starter yet. Mm-hmm. We have an opportunity to continue to develop him. But as we develop him, let's give him some assistance. Assistance. Let's make sure that he has all the tools that he needs. And that's a running game. And that also plays to your offense greatly because of the running game helps your passing game, but also plays to your defense. Keeps them off the field a little bit as well. This has just been a great philosophy change uh, for that entire staff over there at the Eagles. And here, once again, is a situation where Jeff Stoutland should get a lot of credit for what he's done with those guys in the trenches. I mean, you you look at the offensive line. You know, Brandon Brooks, still not back. Um, Sam Malos, out for the season. You know, for a while, Lane Johnson missed three games. And yet they found uh, they found a niche, and now you have five guys who have been together for several weeks. You know, I, I don't think we can say enough for what Jeff Stoutland does in terms of developing, not just developing young offensive linemen, but getting them to hit the ground quickly and being effective in the trenches. A big part of the reason why I love Juan Castillo as, as the offensive line coach when I was there was because yeah. he worked just as hard with the starters as he did with the backup guys, probably even harder with the backup guys. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about before practice, in the middle of practice, after practice. (laughs) And he did all that for a reason. Because you never know when Trey Thomas goes down and John Runyon, which those guys were, they were just always healthy. But you never know when other offensive linemen go down and these young guys have to come in and play and you can't miss a beat. So, of course, Jeff Stoutling, Stoutling deserves some credit for what is going on over there at the Eagles. He deserves... uh, some credit because the continuity in the offensive line, mm-hmm. when you talk about offensive lines that across the league, you say, okay, how long have they played together? In some cases, 
for us, for the Eagles, they haven't played together very long. Now, this 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 new uh, group has played together pretty well uh, for a little bit of period, but it takes time for those things, those pieces to come together. And they've come together very quickly, and that's because of the coaches. That's because of the guys as well. So, of course, they they all deserve some credit. You know, you look at the running back situation right now, and you have Jordan Howard, who's who's just basically come out, come off the the, the heap, the scrap heap, and given a second chance in life. He's averaging five yards a mm-hmm. carry. Boston Scott, who was in the witness protection program for much of the first half of the season, is averaging five yards a carry. And then you sprinkle in a Kenneth Gainwell, who's averaging almost four yards a carry. Three different styles of running back, but yet they all fit within what Sirianni's offense is now trying to do. Um, which style do you like? When you look at those three running backs, uh, and I know you're going to give me the politically correct answer, but which style of those three guys do you like better? Well, I think, you know, the size, there's a size difference between Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. But when I look at yeah. their style, it's very similar. They're straight ahead, one cut runner. They're not going to be dancing behind the line of scrimmage like Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. That's his style. It's a little bit different. They're not going to give you a lot of, you know, moves and stuff like that but they both consistently make that first man miss. If you can do that, you can gain a lot of yards in the NFL. They both consistently mm-hmm. do a good job of getting downhill and not wasting a lot of time and, 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 and speed and stuff like that behind a line of scrimmage. That's not what they do. They get downhill and they run the football hard. I, I like both of their styles, quite honestly, and I don't know if that's a politically correct. <laughs> but I, I think this, their style is similar enough that right. you can look at both of them and be like, wow, th- this looks like the same guy, different sized people. So, of course, Jordan Howard is going to be more powerful inside running than, than, and than when you look at Boston Scott. He has the ability to scoot outside and get to the edge very, very quickly. Um, but I, I like what both of those guys are doing. I have, I have an affinity towards a small guy. I have an affinity towards what I think Boston Scott could bring to this offense. Quite honestly, from the beginning, I think he should have been playing because he can bring a different element, pass, run, which is what you I agree. To get from Kenneth Gainwell. But he's still young. He's still trying to understand the NFL and how these processes work. Um, so, so I've enjoyed the run game in general. I've enjoyed their their the way that they've been committed to it. I've enjoyed the way that they've said, okay, listen, we don't have to be second and 10, third and 10. We can be second and three. We can be third and uh, three. And we can be successful like that. That's a better way to be successful, especially with a young quarterback. Um, I- I've enjoyed it. When you look at the depth and the versatility in that backfield, the Eagles right now are in a very good yet tricky situation because there's a guy named Miles Sanders who's going to return uh, eventually, probably sooner rather than later. And if I'm Miles Sanders, I'm sitting there thinking, where were all these rushing attempts before I got hurt, number one? But number two, he's coming back now. But And B. West, what do, you, what do you do with him now? I mean, he was he was billed as the lead running back before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you do to get him integrated back in the offensive flow when he comes back? Because it's going to affect somebody else's touches. Well, of course it's going to affect someone else's touches. And there may be games where you don't run the ball 42 times a game. There may be games where you're mm-hmm. only going to run it 25 times a game. And then you also want to get – all three of these guys, Sanders, uh, Jordan Howard, as well as Boston Scott involved in some ways because those guys have been doing very well holding, toting the rock um, the last few weeks. So w- w- it's easy for me what you do. First thing I do, I'm sitting Miles Sanders down and say, listen, um, let me show you what's been working for this offense. Downhill, one-cut running. Now, let me show you, and this is not all 
you. This is a this was a a philosophy change, a, a, a vision change in this office. But let me show you what you were doing early in the season. You were trying to hit the home run on every single play. And from a guy that experienced it as I was a young running back, and I'll never forget that I had to sit down with Ted Williams. He said, listen, we know you got speed. We know you can make people miss. But every play is not built for you to try to make 10 people miss. That's not what every play is about. Sometimes you got to take those two and three yard gains and then live to go to a, a, another play. Because when you're dancing behind a lot of scrimmage, you may lose yards. And think about this. This is the beauty of Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders was a guy that danced behind the line of scrimmage, similar to Miles Sanders in in some instances, right? And so the difference for Miles Sanders and what Barry Sanders was able to do, especially early on in uh, this season, was that Barry was going to get 30 touches. He was going to touch the ball 25, 30 Mm -hmm. times every single game. Now, you can dance behind the line of scrimmage all you want if you know you got another 20 touches to come because you're wearing a defense down and that three-yard loss turns into a 30-yard game later on in, in the game. Now, for Miles Sanders, he wasn't getting 30 touches. He was getting 12. Right. He was getting 10. And so if you're getting negative yards on three or four or five, six of those plays, now your average, I mean, you don't have enough time, enough carries to be able to catch up to make it make that, that average go up to, for it to make sense. And so your style, because you're not getting as many touches, um, it just didn't make sense. It didn't fit. So the first thing I would do would be sit them down and say, listen, this is a style that's been working, downhill football. Now, if we can get you on some of these same type of run plays that, that we're seeing Miles Sanders, excuse me, that we're seeing Boston Scott and Jordan Howard on, and we can use your game-breaking speed and your ability to make people miss down the field, these are, these are touchdowns. These are touchdowns. So I'm not saying that he has to change his entire style. What I am saying is that I want to show you what's working, and I want to see if you can adjust. If he's a player that I think he is, because I, I think the world of Miles Sanders, I think he's a game breaker. Right. I think he has the speed, the vision, the quickness right. to be able to make big plays. If he's the type yep. of player that I think he is mentally, and I think he is this way, then he'll adjust slightly, and we'll see a different style, different style from Miles Sanders when he gets an opportunity uh, to play this week or next week, whenever he comes back. And, and I think we'll see even more success in the running game. We know that the psyche of a football player can be fragile. And now from what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying, I'm sitting there listening to you talking about what you would do with Miles Sanders, and I'm like, wow, that's that's a great perspective. But this is a kid who, I shouldn't say kid, but a young man who he built his credibility running the football one style of running coming out of Penn State, which made him a highly coveted running back. He's made his limited claim to fame in the National Football League running one style. Do you think he can change in midstream um, of a season and and change his style of running? And if he doesn't, then what happens after that? As a coaching staff, what do you say? Uh, we, we can't play you if you can't run the way we want you to run the ball. Well, I think he can change. I think that, you know, if he wants to be successful, he will change. Because some of these plays, when you watch them, they're timing plays. You don't have time to dance behind a line of scrimmage. You got to get through these right. holes uh, when they're there. Uh, I, I have no no issue with the thought that he can change, and I'm not I'm not talking. This is not a wholesale change. This is about getting right, the right. hole, and then you can make somebody miss when you get five six yards down the field. He can do that. We've seen him do that in the past. There's just been too many times early on, and this is a mental thing that you like. Listen, I'm a playmaker in this offense. I want to contribute. I want to make a big play, and so mentally, in order for me to make a big play, 
I got to make 10 people miss. I did the same thing. Right. And then at some, at some point, Ted Williams again said to me, listen, what are you doing? What are you doing? Get downhill. Stop trying to make people <laughs> miss behind the line of scrimmage. Get downhill and your speed, your explosion, your burst, that will make people miss because they can't catch up to you. Miles Sanders, he will figure it out. He's good enough to do that. I have no doubt that he'll come back and be the same explosive player uh, that, that, that he was in the past. And now, you know, we see it a lot with quarterbacks. Sometimes the backup quarterback comes in and the offense just looks like it runs so much smoother. And then you get the starter. He's watching it on the field, on tape and on the sideline. He's like, wow, all I had to do was do this. All I had to do is hit my, my fifth step and throw the ball instead of holding it, try to run around and different mm -hmm. things like that. Same type of philosophy that I would have with Miles Sanders. You know, just go out there and be natural, of course. But I want you to hit these holes quicker uh, than you have in the past. And if you do that, He'll be just as successful as Jordan Howard or in Boston Scott. And he also has that home run ability that we've seen in the past. Are we in agreement that the Eagles' new commitment to the run makes Jalen Hurts not just more efficient, but more dangerous? There's no doubt about it. It puts him in a situation where this is what I love about what Nick Sirianni has done. You mm -hmm. see some of the, the jet sweeps. You see some of the, 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 the wide receiver screens. You're spreading the defense out this way, the width of the field. Now, right. when you spread the defense out this way, now those quick hitters, as far as the run game, that, that brings them right back in. And then what Nick Sirianni has done, um, after stretching them and then hitting them right down the gut, he says, okay, now you, you're looking for, you're looking for the right down the gut with the running back. We're going to pull this ball. Yeah. We're going to run our quarterback outside. And we've seen so many design quarterback run plays. So as an offensive coordinator, he's starting to get that feel. Okay, this is what the defense is doing. I can dictate to them. I can force them to play the inside zone. I can force them to play the power. And then I can take the ball from the belly of the running back and use my quarterback to get around the edge. That's what smart defense <laughs> offensive coordinators are doing. And that's what he's been able to do over these last few weeks here. And that makes Jalen Hurts much more valuable compared to what he was at the beginning of the season to what he was this past week. Oh, he's a franchise quarterback now. He's a guy that we can trust, <laughs> that we believe in. He's a guy that we love. Well, we weren't saying that earlier because they were throwing the ball 40 times a game, and the defense, yeah. they understood exactly what they were doing. Now the defense has to think, and a lot of time they're guessing. And if you have a quarterback that has the ability to run an option style, not that you're running a pitch and things like that, but saying, okay, I'm going to put the ball in the belly of the running back, and if I see something that makes me – my read says, keep it. I pull it out and then I'm around the edge. Now you're using the smarts and the athletic ability of your quarterback. That just puts a defense in a terrible bind. The only thing I don't like is I don't like my quarterback being my leading rusher week in and week mm -hmm. out because you know what's going to happen. You know, Jalen Hurst is a very smart runner. You know, he gets down, he gets out of bounds. He's not about to take anybody head on. But he's going to be in a situation somewhere where some defender is going to get that open shot at him. We've seen it happen with too many frontline quarterbacks in the past. Every time he takes off, man, I'm holding my breath thinking, get down, get down or get out. Because, you know, defensive players hate quarterbacks anyway because of the way the game is played now is geared towards a quarterback. Well, this is what I think about that. He does not have to be that style of quarterback his entire career. And I'm saying right. in, in, in the sense that he doesn't need 14 carries every single game like he had his high – carries this past week he doesn't need that but what he needs is that threat to be able to run that makes the defense play a little bit different and as he continues to get better he has gotten better over these last couple of weeks as far as staying in the pocket throwing the ball accurately yeah. making strong throws 
he has got a lot better in that in that aspect. If he can continue improving that, then you don't need him to run the ball as much. But that threat is always mm-hmm. still there. So to me, I'm not looking at Jalen Hurts like he's a, a finish and complete project right now. I'm saying he needs that. He needs a running side to probably get him through and and make that offense run a little bit better currently. But as he continues to gain confidence as a passer, as he continues to to learn defenses and different things and understand things better, now he becomes a more competent passer in that arm. Then now he's going to look a lot better than he did, especially early on in the season. And to me, that's the value that you have with a young guy that has learned resiliency, that has it has went through something, that that continues to get better every single week. That's what we want in our quarterback position, and that's what we've seen all these last few weeks from Jalen Hurts. And I think we keep we have to keep reminding ourselves that he still has not had a full NFL season under his belt. But if he continues to progress within the structure of the offense the Eagles are running now, um, do you think that helps solve their quarterback problems, not just this season, but beyond the season, so they can focus on other areas to address in the offseason next well, year? The, the truth is, if he continues to get better, then – if he doesn't solve that quarterback issue, let's say he gets better than he regresses. If he doesn't solve it, he at least delays it. He pushes it out into the future, into you know further in the future. Maybe now you don't have to get a quarterback next year. Maybe you get a quarterback mm-hmm. in a couple years, right? So the way that I've, I've only thought about it is, is Jalen Hurts good enough to get you 21 points a game? Because look, let's just say he's good enough for them not to drive a quarterback next year, and you use those three first-round picks on defense, now, okay, mm-hmm. let's say the defense is giving up 24. Now the defense is giving up 17. And if you can get – you can win games 21-17, you can win an awful lot of games like that. That's me. You're, That's right. Now now people are saying, oh, Jalen Hurts won 10 games. He's a double-digit win quarterback. He looks a lot better than the guy that started off struggling a little bit this year. So, to me, it's about how far can he get. I've seen him get – a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better every single game in certain aspects of his game. The question at the end of the season is going to be simple. Did he get good enough for Howie Roseman and his staff to be able to say that he can be a franchise quarterback? Mm -hmm. Or did he get good enough to be to the point where we can say, we're going to hold off using some of those early picks on a quarterback Mm -hmm. because we have enough faith in Jalen that that his ceiling uh, is high enough, but also his floor is not low enough that we have to go find another guy. You spent the bulk of your season here in Philadelphia. You know what kind of market it is from a fan base, from a media standpoint. I would not want to sit across a poker table from Jalen Hurts because when he's in front of the cameras, you don't know what he's thinking. And you think about what he's gone through this year. All the rumors about potential quarterback coming in, they bring in Gardner Minshew as a backup. And then just recently you see the general manager, Howie Roseman, sitting at a college football game looking at a quarterback and things like that. And the way he handles himself in the public, with poise, uh, authoritativeness, uh, you never see his demeanor crack. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that says a lot about – that's a lot of pressure to put on the shoulders of a young quarterback, especially in the National Football League. The stuff that we don't even see from him, um, and he handles it so well from what we do see of him. You said it right. Poise, um, leadership ability, the things that you want in a leader. Here's what I want in my leader. I don't want a guy that gets too high when things are going great. And I definitely right. don't want a guy that gets too low when things are not going his way. Um, and I think Jalen has shown not only to the team, 
But to outside people, you feel that. You see it. And as a person that's been in those locker rooms, that's what you want. Hey, man, I, I know that we're not going to win every single game. But what I can't have right. you doing is coming in the locker room the next day going crazy, acting like, you know, the world's on fire. Because it's usually <laughs> not, right? It's one out of 17 at this point. So he has all the the values and things like that that you want of a leader. Now it's about on the field stuff. I'm not I'm not worried about Jalen Hurts at all off the field as far as being able to lead the guys following him. We understood that last year. We saw that last year at the end of the season. I just think that he continues to improve on the field, then he's perfect. But but what I love about him to your point is that we never see him sweat. You know, listen, no. he comes up yeah. and said, I gotta do better job. You know, we have to do a better job. He throws out a couple quotes, a couple cliches, and it's all yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely cool with that. This is the same type of guy. When things start to go right, he won't be too high either. And you'll they'll never show that point either. And that's what I like about Jalen Hurts. Give me your professional breakdown of Devonta Smith. Um, listen, he came in uh, as the best player in college last year, obviously the best receiver. Um, he still has some work to do. Um, you know, there were some routes where I knew he could do run much better than he, he ran. There were some over routes right. where I, I know for sure he can use his speed. But at some point, you got you to gotta, you know, use a little wiggle as well. And what I've seen from him, is him continue to get better, which is what I love about young players. I want to see you get better every single week. I'm not expecting you to be perfect. I want to see you get better. We've seen that. We've seen this past week him go up and catch the 50-50 ball, which we has been a question of mine. Is he physical enough to do that? I've also seen the offense shift a little bit, and um, they're using some route that they used to use Marvin Harrison on, where you have two receivers to a side, and your inside receiver, your, your your slot guy goes straight up the field, and Devontae Smith can run a five-yard in, and now he can catch the ball yep. running. And now you can use some of that speed to get across the field. And so we've seen him improve. We've seen his confidence. And, and sometimes for young players, no matter how good you were in college, sometimes your confidence still isn't there at this level. And we've seen right. him gain confidence. And this games like this past one against Detroit that guys that have a special talent like Devontae Smith has, Sometimes those games are the games that you're like, oh, man, I do have it. And you see a big jump from then on. You, it, for me, it was a game against the Giants. And, and even though it wasn't an offensive play, it was a special teams play. But it was a confidence that you instilled in yourself that you can make the play, but mm -hmm. others around you. And there's a big jump immediately after that because now you, you already had the skill set. You didn't have the confidence. And so we've seen his confidence continue to grow. And listen, you know, he, he's – He's a kid that we expect big things out of. He's a kid that he's going to be our number one receiver here for a long time. I expect to see him to continue to grow and improve. And as a quarterback gets better, he gets better. As a running game gets better, he gets better. Yeah. So now, now you're not getting covered by two guys. Now you're the defense have to basically claim what they're doing, and you understand that better. So things as a receiver get a lot simpler when things offensively get simpler as well. And so that's the beauty of this offense at this point. Every number one receiver needs a compliment, and I think Quez Watkins can be that compliment. If you were a decision maker, how would you integrate Quez Watkins better in the offensive flow? Because I don't think he gets enough touches myself. He doesn't get enough touches. I, I, I was going to – I usually go through and, and do some, some uh, videos of plays, and there was just a play – 
And it might have been the one he dropped. I can't remember if it was that one or not. But Quez is just so fast. He, and he has a different gear that most guys, including Devontae Smith, don't have. He has a different gear. Right. We all know that how fast he is. But he has the ability to run past um, DBs. Now, here's the, here's the thing. In order for the quarterback to catch up to Quez, he has to recognize the defense, get the ball up early because he doesn't have the strongest arm and, and be able to throw some of those passes like the one that he dropped in the end zone a lot more often. That's going to give those two better continuity together. And so, um, yeah, he should deserve – he deserves some, some some more passes his way. And I think over time, as his offense continues to develop and the quarterback continues to develop uh, confidence in his receivers and in himself, that, that he'll get some more passes. It's just a matter of time. You, you know, here's the thing, the beauty of this season. And I know as right. fans, it's hard to understand what I'm about to say. We came into the season to say it's a work in progress and, you know, we want to be better and, you know, we're, we're not going to judge them and we're probably not going to make the playoffs. We're not going to judge. We're just going to, you want to watch the growth. And then as a fan myself, I said all those things that I just mentioned. As a fan myself, I'm like, you know what? After a couple of games, I want to win every single game. I want to see the Eagles go to the Super Bowl. And that's our thought yeah. process, right? <laughs> and then there are times where you're like, okay, you lose a couple of games in a row. You're like, okay, I need to get back to that other thought process. And what we've seen, with that thought process for me is that this team has gotten a little bit better. This team is getting incrementally better every single week, mm-hmm. but it takes time. And, you know, as a fan, I'm not very patient. I know the Eagles fans are very patient as well, but what we've found out is that this team is going to go up and down this season. It's not about just this year. We have to be patient right. and that's going to develop for Quez and, and Hurts and all these other different receivers and playmakers on this team. It's a development process um, and, and, you know, they've done a great job of getting better. Are you ready to put Jalen Rager in the category of bust? No, no, I'm not. And, and I, and I would, a lot, a lot of people are giving up on, I know, I know they are. I, you know, I, it's hard for me to call a player a bust. Things have not worked out the way that we, we wanted with Jalen Rager quite yet. I, I wanted these guys that, and maybe I'm just delusional. I see so much Debo Samuels in this kid that we just we have not we have not harnessed it. We haven't figured it out for him quite yet. I see his speed. I see his ability to make quick shifty cuts and things like that. But we haven't seen it enough. I've I've, I've seen it and I've seen it in some of the right. things he's done. But we haven't seen it enough on the field. Um, we the way that I feel about talent is that you have to find ways to bring out the best in that talent. Nick Sirianni has to do a better job of finding ways to bring out the best in his talent. Right now, he's not running great routes. Uh, we talk about Jalen Rager. Right now, he's not uh, being shifty enough, and I think he's much quicker than he is fast, and I think he could be much more shifty um, in some of the things he's doing. Um, and we talk about confidence of Devontae Smith, who was the best wide receiver in football a, a year ago. Right. Well, we also got to get some confidence for these younger other guys, too. Um, Jalen Rager probably needs as much confidence as anyone else out there in the offense because he's not getting the, the, the targets. He's not – no one on that offense is dependent on him to do anything. He's not doing very much on special teams either. Mm. Um, so he has to – Nick Sirianni has to find a way to get him involved in this offense because I still do think he's a player. And you, you, you can't call a guy a bust until you've given him all the opportunities in the world to be successful. Right now, I think we can do a better job of giving him more opportunities. 
On the other side of the ball, you were talking about Nick Sirianni finally getting it in terms of how to utilize his offense to make it much more efficient and potent. On the defensive side of the football, I thought Jonathan Gannon's defense played one of his best games. They played all season long against Denver. Cornerbacks came down playing bump and run. Uh, they na- made the necessary stops. You know, when you look at how many potent weapons Denver had in that offense, they made uh, Teddy Bridgewater very uncomfortable. They attacked more. Are you ready to let Jonathan Gannon off the hook? Do you think he's finally gotten it? I sure hope so. I mean, we, these last, you know, two of the last three weeks, we haven't played against great quarterbacks. Um, right. I think Teddy was an ec- accurate quarterback, but he didn't feel comfortable in the pocket. He didn't feel comfortable finding the receivers. And that's because of just what you just mentioned. Now you have tighter coverage. You're playing closer to the man, to, to the line of scrimmage. You're playing more man-to-man concepts. Even if it's not man-to-man, you're saying, okay, we're going to challenge you at the line of scrimmage, and we're going to make you think that way. We're going to make you feel like it's man-to-man. And then this is what happens. You start playing a little bit tighter coverage. Now the quarterback has to be more accurate. Now he's second-guessing himself, and he pumps a little bit more. And now that defensive yep. line that you have been, we've been talking so bad about, now they get in your face. Javon Hargrave. Now we, we see Josh Sweat come off the edge. I mean, these guys that we haven't seen anything from, now they look like they're decent players because it's not easy as one, two, three, throw the, a quick out to the receiver because he's, you know, he has a 10-yard cushion. That makes things a lot harder for quarterbacks and offensively. You and when you make things harder, now it's not second and three. Now it's second and seven. Mm-hmm. Now it's third and mm-hmm. ten. And you're much more apt and much more likely to be successful if you have longer yards to go as we have, which is very common sense. But, you know, Jonathan Gannon, for some reason, you know, 10 games, I'm like, all right, I'm seeing it. And I watch way less film than you do, Jonathan Gannon, but what's the holdup? And I, I truly believe this. In Jonathan Gannon's mind, he thought, okay, well, we held this team to 27 points. We held them to 27 points. Because of my defense, because we use a, basically a prevent, de- prevent defense, we held them to 27 points. De- because if we would have went man-to-man, they would have had 47. I don't believe that. Right. I believe that you force, the, you, you, you force a team to beat you. I believe that a, a much a more aggressive style of defense is either going to say, it's a make it or break it. And I'm putting pressure on Steven Nelson, which I think he could play a little bit better. I'm putting pressure on Darius Slate. I'm putting pressure on my safeties. I'm also saying, Fletcher Cox, you got to play better. Guys up front, we got to we, we need you to play better if we if we're going to win these football mm-hmm. games. And because we've done that, it just made it a little bit harder. And you know that does make a difference. And we'll see if he continues that, especially against better competition. But so far, so good. When you talk about some of the different different defensive changes that Jonathan Cannon has used. Hey, B. West, I got one final question for you. And as strange as it sounds, as we sit here right now, we have to talk about the Eagles as a possible playoff Mm -hmm. team. You know, they have seven playoff spots instead of six. And when you look what the Eagles have after the New Orleans Saints, and I do believe the Saints game is a very winnable game for the Eagles if they play very similar to how they played Denver. Then you look what they're facing after that. This team could sneak in the back door and be a playoff team with nobody. And I mean nobody figured them to be a playoff team in 2021. Dick I was with our good friend Ike Reese last night, and I just started going through in my mind, okay, this is just let's just take it here. They've won four games so far. They're, they're four and six, right? Yeah, yep. Okay. Playing Washington twice. Yep. At first, before the season started, I said they want to split. 
Now Washington, you know, even though they just beat the Tampa Bay Bucks, which is just a matchup issue for Tampa Bay, right. let's say they found a way to beat Washington twice. Yep. They get to play the Giants twice. There's yep. nothing on the Giants that scares me, fears me at all. Let's say they beat the Giants right. twice. They still got to play the Jets. The Jets, they like yep. this, the, the CYO football team. That's five wins, right? Which is a winning that's right. season. That's, that's nine right. and eight. That's a winning season. If they, for some reason, are able to beat the Saints, and again, this is this is the best positive thinking. This is the best case scenario for the Eagles. That's ten doggone wins in a season that's where right. everyone, including myself, said they're going to win six. Now they still may split between Washington and and the Giants, and they still may beat the Jets, but they may lose it. But I mean, so it, it can go either way. But I, I at least that's see right. three more wins. I at least see three more. Let's say you're splitting with the Giants in, the, in Washington and you beat the Jets, that's three, right? If you mess around, so that's seven and 10. You mess around, you know, you win two instead of splitting uh, with, with your division teams. I mean, you're talking about eight, nine, 10 wins. And it's not out of the question for playoffs. Now, I hate talking about it because we've seen this team play well, then we play, in, yeah. say, play, say, play, play subpar. It's about being consistent. Right. We haven't seen that consistency where they've won two in a row yet, but you know, the potential's there. It's all about execution for this football team. We'll see how it goes. B. West, I always love your insight. It's difficult to pin you down. You give me a lot of grief, but when I do get you, it's worth the effort, man. And sure enough, as we've sat here and talked football, I've learned a lot from you. I would never admit that publicly, right, by the way, but I've learned a lot from B. West. <laughs> I appreciate it, Thank you so much for having me again. All right, brother. As always, uh, thank you for coming on. And you know, you know, I'm going to hit you up again somewhere down the road. So you, you know, I know how to get to you. If I can't get to you, I just I'll get hey, to your you wife go. and have Let her get this. to you. If the Eagles make the playoffs, <laughs> I want to yeah. be on Gun on One. Um, first week of the playoffs. That's that. I promise you that. And if if you will have me uh, back on. Oh, I'm gonna definitely have you. Matter of fact, we're recording this. So I got I got the record. They, they you can't get out of this I, one. And, and there's a strong possibility that they could. So. Yes, it is. All right, B. West, as always, man, I thank you. And everybody out there, thank you for listening in to Gunner One, the podcast powered by Patterson Square Garden. Uh, until next week, as I say each and every week, uh, continue to stay blessed out there, especially when you consider the, the times that we live in right now. But more importantly, try to go out of your way sometimes and just be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until next time, I'm Derek Gunn. So long, everybody. of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Elvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Elvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.